everybody. This is Matt Rinke, the founder of Illumination Wealth. Very much looking forward to today's conversation with Sam Mehta of Blue Fire Mortgage. Sam is an indispensable resource for me, for my clients and our community when it comes to their financing. They specialize in residential as well as commercial mortgages and commercial lending. He's also a member of the San Diego Entrepreneurs Organization. And uh, really pumped to have Sam on here because it has been a wacky mortgage market. So Sam, welcome. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, good to have you here. So I think just to start off, can you just give us a high level in plain English, like what's going on in the mortgage market? What's going on there? Well, let me just kind of like recap. 90% of my, 95% of our, our offices time and energy is expended on residential mortgages. And then the 5% are on commercial loans. They're usually like small multifamily loans that big banks don't want. So our, 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 our scope is very narrow. And it's really top heavy and residential with a little bit and small multifamily oddball, but the vast majority is residential. So we like, we're, we're constantly, you know, um, in tune with what's going on on that angle with, or what's going on in that world, what the changes are. There's a lot of things that have changed with credit, um, especially with employment. A lot of borrowers are losing their jobs right now or being furloughed. So there's been a lot of shocks to the mortgage system. Um, in its entirety and we don't know because we're not at the end of it yet so we don't know how it's going to pan out but like right now we're knee deep in the trenches dealing with something that's you know changing and evolving almost every hour so I feel like I'm in two different war zones at the same time and um, you know trying to survive and not survive but trying to like figure out our next plan of action because the policies and the rules and the economic climate are changing almost every hour at some time, it feels like. Yeah, so. no, it's cer that's certainly happening. I mean, whether it's mortgage or, you know, the policy changes and, you know, tax code, things are changing so quickly. So on the residential side, which is, you know, many of our clients and, you know, are buying homes or refinancing and we see that interest rates are low or interest rates are zero. And then they think that it's a good time to potentially refinance, come, but they come and find out that they potentially can't even refinance for one reason or another. Like, yeah. What's actually happening in some of the refinance markets? Okay, so the first thing is, is when the, a couple of weeks ago, you touched on a couple of great points here, Matt. A couple of weeks ago, the Fed funds cut the, the Fed funds rate down to effectively 0%. That doesn't mean that mortgage rates went to zero. Mortgage rates actually, typically when the Fed funds that's the rate that businesses lend to each other. So when that rate, that's not necessarily attached to the mortgage rates, sure. uh, there is an indirect correlation. So in the short term, this is going to sound a little confusing, but in the short term, when the feds move the rate, like in this case, they moved it for the better, they dropped it. Mortgage rates in the short term tend to go up. And when fed funds increase the rate, mortgage rates in the short term go down. And when I mean short term, I mean usually the span of about, you know, three to six weeks. And that's what's been happening the last couple of weeks. Um, overall, I think based on how things are, the 10-year treasury is a much more indicative, uh, you know, index as far as like where my, how, what, what is my rate? Where are 30-year fixed or 15-year fixed mortgage rates at? Well, the 10-year treasury is a better benchmark, a better index to follow. However, everything has been so wacky recently because the 10-year treasury is at an all-time low, mortgage rates are at an all-time high. So, you know, what we're forecasting, and this is, you know, to a certain degree, there's a lot of speculation involved on our part, but we're expecting that mortgage rates aren't really going to drop until the news with the virus subsides, which might be mm. hopefully mid, late May. 
um, next month, uh, coupled with um, all the money that the Treasury's committed to the economy has been completely injected in. So we'll see if those two events help, but I don't think that we're going to see a real rate improvement until May, where rates um, actually drop. Maybe, maybe May. They're low, but are they actually going to drop to a brand new floor that we've never seen? And that's unheard of and unreal. Yeah, but I think that's we're not there yet. We're not out of the tunnel. Got it. And then so that's the first part about rates. Understood. Yeah. So the rates aren't just because we see it on TV that rates are really low doesn't mean that the mortgage rates are necessarily following suit. Most people don't understand that. They they are low, but they've been low yeah. for several months. Right. That's that's all I'm saying. Like you know, so it's all relative. I mean, we're in the like we're putting our borrowers in the low threes. Yeah. On thirty year fixed. Now, there is one exception, one thing that's substantially changed very recently, which you kind of hinted towards uh, initially, Matt, is that jumbo loans have pretty much been completely suspended. Mm -hmm. And the jumbo loans that I'm talking about are the traditional products that are really, you know, the, the ones that are the, in the traditional credit box that are ultimately backed or guaranteed by a Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac-like agency. And those loans, um, which were in really the mid to upper 3% range, up until about three weeks ago, have all been, been suspended for the time being because credit, we're going through a credit crunch right now. And yep. adult credit standards have buckled. And it's kind of the same thing we saw in early, late 2007, early 2008, where rates, where credit tightened up. Well, in this case, it tightened up pretty much, you know, very quickly. I'm not comparing what's happening now with COVID to 2008, 9, 10, which is a terrible deep recession, but it's mortgage markets and credit markets are embracing for some sort of a recession or at least some sort of a market, real estate market correction. So that's the metric yep. that, that that's indicative of. Um, and we're trying to work to figure out what we can do to somehow bring jumbo loans back but pretty much that entire market is completely suspended for the most part wow so the jumbo loans just to be clear we're in california where does the jumbo loan what's that dollar figure it varies a little bit county to county but like in most counties in california it's anywhere over seven it's seven hundred thousand dollars or more in certain areas like high cost areas like uh uh, anywhere in the Bay Area, it's anything over $745,000. So, you know, if you're borrowing in, let's say you're purchasing a property in Orange County or LA County or San Diego County, and it's, you know, you're, it, it, you're borrowing over $700,000, you're effectively in a, uh, what's called a jumbo loan bracket. Got it. So anybody who's, you know, buying a home in you know, a million dollar home is probably getting a jumbo mortgage unless they're putting a lot down. If exactly. they're doing the standard 20%, if they want to live yeah. in a really nice, you know, the better school districts and in the high cost states with a traditional 20% down payment, you're likely getting a jumbo loan and there's no refinance yeah. market for that today. So what are you telling clients that want that type of loan? They want the 30 year, they want to be able to refinance, but they can't. What should they be doing or thinking about right now? So one thing we're telling all our bars, not our jumbo borrowers only because there's so much market swings and so much volatility with rates. Sometimes they, they fluctuate four or five times a day. So wow. we have instances where they're, they start out really strong in the morning and they're terrible in the afternoon. Re relatively speaking, they're terrible compared to 9 a.m. at 5 p.m. And sometimes it's the opposite. They open poor and they, and a lot, there's not a lot of rhyme and reason to it. Like it's not necessarily based around how consumer spending is, 
looking, but the one, the one metric that really like we follow more closely now that matters the most, which it didn't matter as much the last few years is the unemployment numbers. When the unemployment numbers come out, that will have a catastrophic um, impact on, you know, the financial markets, but it benefits mortgage rates typically. So the higher the unemployment, the cheaper your rate's going to be. Um, that's, you know, not exactly a very, uh, probably an appropriate connection, but that's kind of the one metric that we're seeing right now. And I'm sure that'll change like everything else does, but more or less, that's where it's at right now. Yeah. And, and so, you know, we kind of just talked about refinancing, but then we, t- the other thing I think about is buying a home or somebody purchasing a home and somebody who was probably otherwise a good credit that could afford a home, but their business is now declined because of, you know, COVID-19 for yep. some reason or another, or maybe it, who knows, maybe it dropped completely off or it dropped a little bit, but are they now this qualified buyer as of a month ago now going to be pushed out of being able to qualify for a mortgage because of the environment we're in. That's actually very accurate because unemployment is substantially worse than what was forecasted. um, What's happening now is there's a lot more scrutiny. Lenders have a lot more scrutiny around a borrower's verification. Like I was on a call earlier today with, with, not me, but one of my associates was on our, was on a call with, a company's HR manager, and we had a borrower loan was supposed to go on closing. He got laid off mm. yesterday. Minor problem. He wasn't told he was laid off because they're going to notify him tomorrow. Mm. So we have this critical piece of information that probably wasn't handled right because we yeah. have to do a second follow up the day of closing. So we just happened to do that, and they responded back immediately saying, "Oh, he he's been laid off, but he doesn't know he's been laid off." So that's not going to be a great phone call, but there's a lot of that that's happening because the unemployment's changing. There's a lot more scrutiny around borrowers still being employed. Um, one of the questions we get asked is, "Hey, I've been furloughed, or I've been I'm, I'm getting, you know, I have, you know, a borrower who, who's, um, you know, she her wages have been cut in half because she's cut down to part time. We actually have a couple of those cases. Well, we can still work with that." We, we just only have to use half that income to qualify. And sometimes borrowers can't qualify with half their income. We live in a right. high-cost area in, in California, in Southern Cal, so you, know, you need more income. So sometimes it's an issue, sometimes it's not. I guess that depends on the individual buyer, borrower's credit profiles. But yeah, it's a real problem. And this will probably be the norm through at least through June, in my opinion. And what about the self-employed borrower, the business owner who doesn't have the stable paycheck, maybe has had big income in the past, but all of a sudden there's a, a pretty significant decline in their short-term business revenue, which ultimately flows to, the, to them. Maybe 2019 looked really good and 2018 looked really good, but now these last couple months might not look so good. So does that, is that going to impact them too from buying? That's actually going to be changing. There's been little changes, but surprisingly nothing major yet on that side, but it's just a matter of time. So I have a feeling by next Wednesday when the new guidelines and provisions come out uh, pertaining to from Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, who, you know, pretty much runs a directive on this. When they come out next Wednesday, my gut feeling is, is that they're going to be, there's going to be a lot of more scrutiny. That's not exactly in effect today, but I don't see how that's going to, I'm surprised it hasn't been, you know, it hasn't tightened up. Now I have had certain lenders recently reach out to me and tell me that they stopped uh, lending 
uh, for borrowers who are self-employed, like completely mm -hmm. just stop lending or they're hitting their, they're reducing their borrower's qualifying income, even whatever was taxed, they're underwriting and deducting about a 25 to 30% uh, um, uh, they're, they're factoring a 25 to 30% decline, even if that's not the case based on their filed return. So I don't want to get too technical on the yeah. weeds on it, but what they're doing is they're scrutinizing and not giving the borrowers all the credit they need for, to, qual to qualify for a loan. And this isn't for like, this is for conventional conforming loans. I yeah. haven't heard, I've heard of that, but I don't see the total value or the benefit of that. I think it should, I think there's better ways it could be done, but everyone has a different you know, way of underwriting loans. So I couldn't, you know, we're pretty liberal in our standards. We do the bare minimum. We don't overlay it, but I, we have a lot of lenders that refer into us and they have very tight, very strict credit overlays yeah. uh, like Bank of America. So I'm not sure what their guidelines are, but I'm sure they've tightened them up. I, I just haven't caught in full wind yet of what they've done on the self-employment side. So yeah, yeah it's very real. It's a problem. Understood. Understood. Now on the opposite of the coin, we're going from people who want to refinance or want to borrow, but then, you know, people are being let go of their jobs and how do they make their mortgage payments during times like this? And there's a term being thrown around by a lot of people called forbearance. I don't know if you could share a little bit about what that is and what people need to be aware of if that's something that they might pursue. So a forbearance is really simple. It's where you basically a borrower who's who's maybe struggling to make his mortgage payments, their his or her mortgage payments, they may, may perhaps been furloughed from their job. Maybe they you know they got reduced hours. They went from like full time to part time, or you know, or whatever, whatever the case may be, where they need help. They can't make their mortgage payment. So the the forbearance is basically an unofficial, um, you know, dot, like an uh, like a. a it's basically a, a, a process where it's not universal, so it's not uniform. It's a little bit different. There's no official guidelines and standards around what a forbearance is considered. But, it, but the, the theory, the surface, what, what it is, what, what the consistency of it is, is that it's basically a plan where a borrower can, you know, call their loan servicer, their current mortgage lender, and ask for them to suspend their mortgage payments for two to three months. So that borrower, that homeowner effectively doesn't have to make mortgage payments for two to three months, but they're either rolled into the loan. So the loan balance goes up that much mm -hmm. or the mortgage is extended an additional three months. Usually what we're seeing more of is they're just adding the additional um, interest that three months of accrued interest and they're rolling it and increasing it into the loan balance. So if a borrows, you know, if it's $2,000 a month, let's say that's the payment that's being, I'm just using round numbers, and it's over three months, that's $6,000. That 6,000 would, that loan balance would go up by $6,000 by the end of the four parents. But no one knows what happens after three months. So every right. lender is a little bit different. Every loan servicer is a little bit different, but they're all trying to figure out, some are more generous than others, but everyone's trying to figure out what it is. Um, so there's no real, um, you know, exact definition, but the, the substance of it is, is that you can take a break from paying your mortgage payments for three months until, you know, things calm down and you can, the borrower can pick themselves up a little bit better financially in a few months. Got it. Yeah. I understood. Cause I've been hearing different things. Like if somebody goes for forbearance, one company might say three months from now, you got to come up with that six grand and pay us yeah. all back in a lump sum. Whereas they might still be in a really difficult position. And then, 
hurt that could hurt themselves even further if they take on that forbearance potentially. So, you know, asking the right questions. Yeah, that's, that's is critical. Yeah. We actually had, yeah, that's the most common one, but the one I heard a couple of days ago that was very surprising and I had to double check where the loan servicer said they'll just waive two months of payments. They're not going to mm -hmm. roll it into the loan balance. They're doing a forbearance, but it's free. So they're not, this is two months of like, you know, like a, like a kind of a mortgage break. A mortgage weekend yeah. where you don't have to make your payments for two months and there's no negative consequence. That is not normal, yeah. but that's what this one servicer was doing because they were more worried about possibly the borrower defaulting sure. and two payments. And then, and you know, so it, it just depends. There's a whole host of things that are being thrown out there, but you don't really know until you actually talk to someone. We have a lot of great resources about this on, our, on the blog, on our website. Awesome. So if anyone's interested, all they have to do is just search in the blog and anything with the words COVID, well, you can search for it. And there's a bunch of things on forbearance and deference and um, all the things that are happening right now. So Perfect. We'll make sure people know how to find that on your website. So no, really in insightful. Now, as far as, you know, you're, you, you're an entrepreneur, you're a business owner, growing your business, have a team of employees. Like, what are you doing to strategically you know, manage through this and navigate this for your own company? How are you doing? Um, it's very challenging because as I, you know, like 80% of our, so there's two types of mortgage loans, refinances and purchase loans. Our purchase loan pipeline, which was always predominantly like kind of our bread and butter, so to speak, that's been almost disseminated by about 80% um, with everything going on because buyers aren't buying. The real estate market's coming to a halt. Sellers aren't selling, buyers aren't buying. So as a result, there's deals that are happening, but it's a fraction, literally a fraction of what was happening a month ago. So mm -hmm. as a result, we took it there. The refinances are good. You know, we're busy with that. But the big issue right now across the board in the entire mortgage, well, the entire real estate industry is that all the surrounding vendors that lenders work with, like escrow companies, title companies, the IRS, they're either not working, like the IRS's case where they just closed out their offices for purposes of tax transcripts. So every lender needs, they can't, they don't do that anymore. They shut it down. To escrow and title companies that are working remote, everything's taking two to three times as long. It's super painful and challenging to get things done, which weren't a problem a month ago. None of this was an right. issue. So just the basic blocking and tackling has become a logistical nightmare for us. And then of course, you know, we're working remote. Um, we have usually one or two people, no more than one person at the office at any point in time, you know, either, you know, working on anything sensitive, like with credit uh, related matters with, uh, with, uh, with files and, and credit profiles or with anything treasury related, such as funding loans. But it is a challenge. Um, you know, we're learning to, by lending in my, you know, in my opinion, just by definition is not very, it's not very effective when it's decentralized and that's the situation that we're in um, yeah. until things get better. So yeah, it's a challenge. Um, it's painful. It takes a lot longer and um, it's definitely, you know, we're working a lot more, although I'm literally walking 10 feet to my, my office, which is like, you know, a desk next to the kids. <laughs> um, so, you know, there's that aspect of it. And then there's also the challenges of working from home and, sure. you know, have a three-year-old wrecking havoc in the background um, unannounced while you're on yep. the Zoom. So you got that aspect. Um, but, you know, that's the new norm. Right. Right. So no. They're all like this, you know. I mean, I've, I got plenty of stories about 
random things happening on Zoom calls and phone <laughs> calls that should not be happening. And you just kind of laugh it off, you know? Exactly. Yeah, I mean, you, know, you learn from it. We figure out where the gaps are. For me, like, I'm learning a lot of things, a lot of holes in our systems and our processes that we had that I didn't know existed. Hmm. So, because we never, we never really had those shocks to our, our, our playbook, like our, our operational playbook. So as a result, what we've gone to great lengths to do now is figure out how to like plug those holes by creating better systems where if things go down or there's an issue with the server, like how do we manage that more effectively versus stressing out about it and losing sleep. So yeah. we're finding out that there's a lot you know, a, a better thing, a lot better job we can do with creating redundancies. But we intentionally had sidestepped that for the purposes of security. Because my concern was maintaining, you know, the integrity of client files and credit profiles and with encrypted sure. servers. And they don't work well with remote workforces. They just they don't go hand in hand together. So, you know, we have that going on right now. Yeah, well, I mean, using these times to find ways to do things better, to communicate more frequently. I mean, uh, that, that, I mean, it's good to hear. You find find little breakdowns and, and solve them. So, I guess one one last question for you, kind of on the you know, more personal related, but coming out of this, you know, what would you start doing differently in your business finances or personal finances? You know, as it relates to you know just being prepared for whatever shows up next. You know, I think for us is just maintaining, I mean, our, our controller has been really good um, at, you know, kind of keeping a pretty tight leash on things. So I think for us, the one thing I've kind of gotten confidence about that any business owner, whether small or even media sized, um, I feel like really maintaining a strong balance sheet and just having enough capital to cover, you know, six months, which is, which is really, I mean, every business is different. Every salary cap is different, but just having enough put away to basically be able to maintain at all points in time, just to maintain a three to six month cushion. Um, I think that that's super critical because you, you and I were talking before this started, man, we have a lot of colleagues, um, uh, friends that are really struggling and they may not make it through. And these were, some of these companies were on hyper growth mode that they were growing year month over month, like ridiculous at a ridiculous pace, but they may not be able to stand an unexpected shock like this. Mm. And things are changing now. Now there's major ripples and sometimes it's not even them. They're, they're doing okay, but you know, the vendors aren't in a position right. or their customers aren't in a position to pay, you know? So what do you do then? So a lot of it happens at no fault of that, of that, of the person, that operator of that business, the principal of that business, but you know, things are changing. So I think for us, it's just, you know, maintaining a very, just being very conservative, you know, not overly conservative where, you know, you're eating rice and beans every day. Although that's kind of what we're eating because, you know, we can't go out. So in my case, it's like, you know, Indian curries and rice, whatever, different story. So from that angle, from that point of view, I think it's just being able to maintain, you know, even personally, just maintaining, you know, just healthy finances where there's enough like liquid to put away for six or 12 months of just to pay the bills and, you know, the health insurance and all that is taken care of, whatever the expenses are, the day to day, you know? So I think, you know, I know it's tough to, to have that for, you know, a lot of sure. Californians, but I think that that's the one thing is just, you never know. And just having a little bit of savings, just like a cushion where things go sideways for six months 
for three months, you can, you can fall back on it. You're not like, Hey, you know, what do I, do? you know, what, what do we do? How do we get through this? So I think that's reinforced a belief and then, you know, just trying to figure out how to make better decisions. Um, you know, like financial decisions around, you know, what's important, what isn't, you know, yep. uh, as far as a business is concerned. Totally. Nah, great nuggets of uh, wisdom. Yeah, certainly appreciate it. I think those, those are the, the big things. I mean, for business owners, like we want to reinvest, we want to reinvest, but we also need reserves too. And uh, making sure that it's a part of the budget is something we always advocate for with our clients is we've got to be taking a percentage of that profit if we have it and putting it into the reserve so we can build those, build them up. We never know when times like this are going to happen. We never know what's going to cause yeah. it, but being prepared. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to sound like an alarmist, but this is yeah. this- we're seeing it with our clients and the conversations we're having with them. Um, you know, the average cost of savings, I mean, you probably know this, but the cost of savings for the average American family is like abysmally poor. Yeah. Um, if it, if it's even like, even if, if even if it like is like something that can actually be quantified. So from that angle, like, you know, most people aren't in a position to do that or they're or a lot, most like most Americans, like most Californians, a lot of them are paycheck to paycheck. Well, what do you do yeah. in this moment where one person gets furloughed or, yeah. They have to stay home to watch the kid, you know. So I, it's it's a very confusing and complicated um, issue, and there's no real clear path, you know. And everyone's profile is different, everyone's situation is different. So it's really tough. And I feel for a lot of people out there who are dealing with all that, where there's two working parents or a working mom, and now she's got kids, and you know how do you're single mom with kids, and like how do you navigate that? It's 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 that's something that, that I do think about a lot. Absolutely. Uh, everyone's, yeah, lives have been changed. It's, you know, from health to family dynamics to finances to their businesses and careers, it's all being impacted by this. And, uh, you know, we're all in this together. And that's why, that's the purpose of these conversations is like, how do, uh, how do we share information that you know so we can help those out there that have, a, you know, their own mortgage situation or want to buy a house or having difficulty paying the mortgage Let's make sure that we get them the right information to make good decisions. So Sam, thank you for coming on and dropping your knowledge. We appreciate it. How can people get in touch with you? How do they check your resources out, all the writings that you do? And I mean, if there's any questions, we got a lot of great information on our blog post. If anyone's interested at bluefiremortgage.com under blog, uh, you can click on blog. There's plenty of resources where our marketing team's always constantly trying to find new topics. And, you know, if there's ever any questions, they can reach out or email us. Um, and you know, Matt's got my contact info. So if there's any questions, you know, reach out to Matt and you can, you can get a hold of me. Um, I'm fairly accessible, so shouldn't be any issues, but you know, my thing is, is, you know, just, um, right now, the, the a lot of the questions we're feeling have really nothing to do with us. It's more like, Hey, what do we do? Like about what, what's a forbearance? Should I do this? Is it good for me? And these aren't even our clients, right. but you know, having those conversations is like, and it helps to be able to talk and think through it. So, you know, if someone's in that situation, even if we can't help, we'll, we'll do our best to guide and, you know, whatever it takes to, you know, kind of give them the right direction. And, you know, everyone's needs are different. Everyone's situation is different. So, you know, thank you, Matt, for putting this together. You do a great job. I know how much you care about your clients and the fact that you're always trying to put out additional resources is very telling of, of what you do and who you are as a person. So thank you for for doing this. Thank you.
Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Yeah, and thank you. You know how much uh, you're always there to help others. So it shows. So thanks a lot. And uh, we'll do this again. Yeah, absolutely. Take care.